0: Hi, I'm El Todd Wood. At CD Media, we decided never to have a paywall on any of our sites. I hate those. But we have to make money so we do have advertisements. But some people don't like ads. So what can you do? You can sign up for our no-ad subscription. It's a few bucks a month. You go to the top of any of our sites and sign up for the subscription. And you get access to all of our websites, all of the news from around the world. This includes our Eastern European, Israeli, Balkan sites. It includes armedforces.press. It includes all the U.S. papers that we've opened, the Miami Independent, the Connecticut Sentinel, the Georgia Record, the Manhattan.press, and the, those that are yet to come in the pipeline, which will be opening soon. So you get all this access to fantastic news from around the world with no ads, no display ads, no pop-up ads. I think you'll love it. Please check us out. It helps support CD media, independent media, and basically confronting the propaganda that's being put out by the corporate media. Thank you. Now let's get to our guest.
1: Good. So welcome to, I think it's the 10th episode of uh, Eurobytes and uh, we are still waiting for our partners in crime who are very busy and busy days everywhere these days, staff shortages and uh, what have you and things don't run quite as efficiently as we would like to be. And we promise there will be a very juicy bit at the end of the episode, which might be interesting seeing how... um, the whole question of the who done it, in terms of the pipeline is perceived mm-hmm. on either side of the Atlantic. And, well, I'm kind of in the middle. <laughs> not really in the middle of the Atlantic, but I'm still on the island. So let's see if we see an interesting gradient. But um, before, let's just discuss the current situation. And, I mean, for me, the interesting thing, and I always remember, I'm not even sure who said it. Sometimes nothing happens for decades, and then decades mm-hmm. happen in weeks. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be true every week now. I mean, obviously... Dear viewers, you might remember one of our first episodes on the um, war in Ukraine, where we all convinced it wasn't going to happen, and then it happened, and then it just went on far longer than we and escalated far beyond what we could have yeah. ever predicted. And um, I think an interesting conversation to be had is what's the situation now in Germany and the United Kingdom, and I think there's an interesting um, uniting factor in both. I mean, I saw. Um, an interesting speech. Let's start with Germany. An interesting sure. speech today by our president. And remember, the German president is entirely ceremonial. Um, he's got no political power. He's comparable to um, the British monarchy, only with with less Money. glamour and less incompetence. <laughs> um, but yeah, our very bland um, president, Mr. Steinmeier, had a um, speech where he t- um, told us about it, the end of an era and that speech um, had some elements of truth and more truth than I kind of expected, but sometimes the wrong kind of truth where he said, look, sort of there's an end of an era. We no longer have the jet stream in our back, the wind in our back, but we are facing stormy waters. And a lot of things that um, people who you know used to serve in the German armed forces have been saying for a while, he finally said it, look, um, in the 1990s, there was this, Probe, this meme of being surrounded by friends. And he says, look, we have to wave farewell to this naive mm-hmm. uh, notion. And we remember, obviously, was it Fukuyama with the end of history? And um, he said, we need to wave that goodbye. And we need to, obviously, we're not going to be a major power, but we need to take more responsibility in NATO. And interestingly enough, reading the American Conservative today, I also read, um, please, to to wean Europe of its defense welfare, mm-hmm. I, I concur with that. But yeah, Mr. Mm-hmm. Steinmeier said that, and then obviously he said, yeah, and we were obviously naive to assume the peaceful house of Europe, as the project was once called. I mm-hmm. said, you know, peaceful Europe with Russia, and we need to wave that goodbye for a long time. And then the and then the pundits started swooping in and say, well, he didn't have the mere culpa because he was part of this. Yeah, this policy of Schroeder. Do, do
0: people admit that the crisis was created in Germany?
1: I don't think they see it that way. No, uh-huh. no. I okay. mean, I think uh, they very much don't see it that way. So they would they would make the argument right now. Look, we have been naive and we should have never trusted Russia. And and, and hence why this dreadful commentary mm-hmm. on the main German news site, the site of the Tagesschau, which is tendermount mm-hmm. for good and for bad to the BBC said, look, he didn't even admit his own role in the in Schroeder's policy, which is now portrayed as only bad, where Schroeder mm-hmm. tried to integrate Russia into Europe. Where Schroeder, yes, probably was a bit too naive in terms of the extent of dependency on Russia, but mm-hmm. it's now presented as all bad Have ever having um, entertained such a notion of making Russia part of the European family. And I still think Schroeder was right in most ways that he did treat Russia, he treated them as equals, he treated them as partners, he treated mm-hmm. them as friends, and our reliance on Russian oil and gas obviously exploded once we entered the into the green policy. But no, I mean... Well, that's,
0: that's the issue. I mean, do they see the green policy as creating the energy crisis now or no one wants to admit that? I'm just curious. Mm,
1: no. So essentially... Okay. Um, To paint with a broad stroke, no. I mean, Mm -hmm. there are some newspapers which are, and there are very few of newspapers in general in Germany that lean Mm -hmm. to the right. And I think none would even be in the vicinity (laughs) of the National Review. And we know the National Mm -hmm. Review is (laughs) debatable or conservative they are anymore anyways. Um, So, but, but yes, so some of the newspapers on that side would argue, look, um, the energy crisis was caused, is homemade. It wasn't caused by Russia, they accelerated it. Whereas the others were like, well, we couldn't know that suddenly it was all so quickly and Russia did it and Russia gets blamed. I mean, first COVID got blamed on a lot of issues. And then mm-hmm. my, my whole um, point with COVID is the same. It accelerated a couple of issues. It, 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 it beamed us into the future in terms of, you know, overblown public spending, about growing powers of the state, be that in terms of censorship, be that in terms of regulating in our lives Mm -hmm. in ways we couldn't have even entertained um, prior to the COVID crisis. But no, um, they still don't blame themselves. And I mean, the most Mm -hmm. powerful party in the German parliament is the German Green Party. And I mean, just to give people an idea, I think the leading Social Democrat Party at the election netted something like 28%. The Green Party netted 14, well, roughly 15%. And then the liberal or like classical liberal parties, they see themselves, the FDP, are roughly at 11%. Still, the Green Party drives the policies. And we still have three nuclear power plants in Germany left. And all experts are saying, look, this is going to be a very, very insecure winter mm-hmm. in terms of blackouts or brownouts. And um, and yet, the Green Party still says no. We w- still, until recently, said we want to switch off the remaining power plants, as mm. we told our voters until the end of the year. Now, this was actually highly contentious, and they are now ever so slightly denting mm-hmm. in in the polls, but not as much, not imploding as much as you would think. And now they said, okay, fine. After the the nominal leader of that coalition, Chancellor Scholz, said, okay, look. Um, I spoke a forceful word, or as they call it so beautifully in German, a Machtwort, a power mm-hmm. word. And and his power word was like, oh, they're going to stay open until next May or so. Mm. <laughs> and, and so this is the situation where we are, where, where we still have a society where the media is mostly aligned. And I mean, and interesting mm-hmm. enough, I see even in English speaking media, more the, of the alternative spectrum, they speak, mm-hmm. they use the German term of the Gleichschaltung that was used under the, the uh, Nazi state where they essentially mm-hmm. aligned news. And then media get very angry when somebody says that. But de the, the facto there is that. Mm-hmm. Some are saying, look, I mean, most of it is homemade. But I would say the vast majority of the media says, look, we are still right. And certainly the Green Party says we are still right. We um, didn't think it had to happen that quickly, but all the more we now need to be renewed. So no,
0: but nobody is saying if we take most of our continuous power base away, meaning nuclear and coal and gas, and replace it with power that's only working 30, 40 percent of the time at best, that's going to create a problem. No, no Nobody's owning up to that at this point.
1: Not really. I mean, certainly not the Green Party, certainly not Angela Merkel, certainly Mm. not not anybody from the political establishment. That's very interesting. Some some voices on the right, obviously the party that gets most most Mm -hmm. chastised for being far right, the Mm -hmm. AFD, they would very much say, you created this, Mm -hmm. you are destroying our industry, we are an industrial country. And, And I mean, this is kind of a debate. And, and it's the same in the UK. It's entirely mm-hmm. misplaced in terms of saying, well, how are we going to uh, keep the houses heated? How are we going to electricity on for private consumers? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is a very important issue, but you're missing the greater issue. I, I can probably survive a winter with a bunch of um, uh, sweaters or jumpers, sure. as, as sure. we say here, and um, and having low, low wattage light bulb and, and what have you but i mean we've got some industry that's colossally energy hungry i mean you remember yeah. all those german fancy german knife manufacturers from the famous right. steel town of solingen or oh, remember our um chemistry giants like basf mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um or or Bayer, the i mean right. they need gas like it's no one's business and yeah. um so for them it is that i'm worried and i mean now the first um, it is reported in some, but mostly the alternative newspapers that some very famous bakery chains have closed in some cities. Hmm. That um, uh, some industrial places um, have closed that have weathered world wars. I mean, two world wars and, you know, mm-hmm. hyperinflation. So some um, famous but still smaller places have closed. Obviously, the bigger um, industrial conglomerates, say BMW or Volkswagen, They've got more political cachet and bigger cash reserves, and they—they—they mm-hmm. they will probably manage just fine, or they will be prioritized. But again, I mean, this is what I'm worried about, and some people are worried, but they still blame Russia. <laughs> I mean, that sounds yeah. familiar since 2016. <laughs> yeah, of Russia course. did it. I'm like, yes, they kind of contributed to to it, and they accelerated it 10x. But we would have gotten here anyways. Um, yeah. Yeah. In a couple of years. And it's, it's really interesting. interesting. Hmm. Um, and I mean, if, if I, um, and as I said, always interrupt me if you want to yeah. have the um, sort of like ask the question of the American take. And so, this whole thing of an era being disruptive obviously was almost at a subconscious level, certainly also felt in the United Kingdom. I mean, this mm-hmm. summer, and I wish I had taken more photos, obviously, at the Queen's 75th Jubilee. Mm -hmm. There were flags everywhere and even neighbors participated, who I know for a fact are actually confessed Marxists, but even they participated in a lot of that and there were um, um, big flags of the Queen everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there was something in the air that it definitely might be the last time, certainly for a big Jubilee. Even then, I think it was in June or July and when she actually passed away. I mean, it, uh, it was, as I said, very moving. And again, I mean, suddenly the media, the British media, just discovers the good taste and the solemnity mm-hmm. in tone, in, in presentation that I thought they've lost uh, 20 mm-hmm. years ago. So there's that. And now, obviously, um, with that having happened, you know, in the summer, the Prime Minister who won uh, the Conservatives, the massive mandate that they got over Brexit in 2019. And, and just, just as a reminder for people, It is a really interesting tale of an outsider delivering what even most of his own party, let alone the left equivalent, didn't want. So first of all, Brexit was like a fluke. I mean, I went Mm. to bed um, in 2016 thinking no way in hell uh, is this going to come to pass. Woke up the next morning and we were outside the EU. And then for three years, the establishment, nominally a conservative party, dragged their heels and yeah. And the liberal Democrats, which are sort of the classical liberal party, but I mean, they they're just another flavor of left, even um recommend just to ignore the popular vote. And then there was, and they said, well, people didn't quite know what they voted for. And then there was the last European election for the where for the last time, the u k. was going to vote in a European election. And then, the conservative party I'm always putting it in inverted commas even when I'm writing mm-hmm. <laughs> in the media um the conservative party got an- annihilated i think they got like 4% and Nigel Farage yeah. was close to 40% and that sent the message no 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 people really want really va- wanted this and they really <laughs> So wh-
0: why did the ukip ukip shut yeah. down after brexit was that a, just a huge mistake on farage's part
1: Well, um, I wonder about that. So the interesting thing that happened, Nigel Farage said, look, my job here is done. I've campaigned for this for decades. I'm going to go back and do what I most enjoyed, some journalistic endeavors and working Mm -hmm. in the financial market. And he's apparently a a sort of stock or bonds trader in his own right. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, apparently his family has been active in that for many years, Mm -hmm. stepped away from it. And... After 2016, come 2019, the European election, he suddenly says, look, in my absence, UKIP has become openly xenophobe and racist Mm -hmm. and certain unsavory elements came into power that I can't associate with. And then he founded the pro-Brexit party and Mm -hmm. essentially UKIP imploded. And I don't know UKIP enough if he was actually, um, if that was entirely true, what he said. I don't think it was. I think there's also quite a bit of ego Involved. But then again, if you're going to go head to toe with the establishment for 30 years, I mean, it's kind of the Donald Trump bit, you know, yeah, you criticize yeah. him for having ego, but it's only people with that kind of ego can can do what yeah. he did. So, so he did that. Um, and then come 2019, the Brexit Party steps up. And unlike in the UK election, where we've got, like in the United States, a winner takes all kind of uh, principle in, in the voting districts, Um, uh, for the European election's proportional representation. So, you know, they killed it. And then Mm -hmm. essentially Boris Johnson came into power, held the election, and got a a very popular mandate. So it was at two times... And and
0: governed as a globalist.
1: Well, not right away. I mean, he Mm -hmm. essentially declared Brexit um, right away, and we celebrated it. Mm -hmm. Um, I went there with a couple of friends, and was it January... 2020 on Parliament Square, where essentially the next day I could read in the newspaper, oh, a couple of hundred idiots celebrate on Parliament Square, and we were like convinced it was 20,000, and I'm hearing now mm-hmm. it was probably 50,000, be that as it may. So he did that, and then he made good musings about reigning in the BBC, and reigning in critical race theory, and um, and uh, then suddenly, obviously, what, what the listeners or watchers or readers of cd media need to appreciate his wife is um essentially belongs to the family that owns the times a very mm-hmm. renowned magazine but also with a very leftist slant mm-hmm. and obviously suddenly he started talking about net zero suddenly he um um you know i mean there was when not- were they married it was right about that time wasn't it right about that time yeah yeah it is, Amazing. It is quite quite interesting i mean it's, it's funny i mean I don't think there's anything conspiratorial at work. <laughs> I'm not that way. Well, you mind. don't have
0: to be conspiratorial, you just have to know biology. Yeah. But, but yes. <laughs> I, but- mean, I mean, obviously she has some sway with him, so hmm. for whatever reason. So yeah. certainly. So
1: so yeah, and then yeah. suddenly, yeah, we had all kind of um uh certainly uh, net zero policies and then um you know um divert the the the, the cabinet got more and more um, diverse, and, and yes, and then obviously once he, to his credit, still seemed to have some sort of libertarian residual libertarian gut instincts when it came to COVID, and he mm-hmm. apparently said, this is not a good idea, he fought it for a while, mm-hmm. then got ill, and flip-flopped, which is probably yeah. understandable, I mean he was sort of a risk candidate, he was pretty heavy set yeah at the yeah. time, and that that placed you in the risk category, almost died, then obviously everything happened and um, that was the end of the residual libertarian policies to his credit he then prevented a the fourth lockdown but after giving us a second and a third yeah even though by that time even by the second lockdown it should have been clear that that wasn't a good idea but he prevented the fourth however after it came out that um they obviously had partied and the pictures of him with a bottle of verve clico champagne Um, Obviously, he needed some, for me, it's very much a question, did he do that because he rediscovered his libertarian roots or because he needed something to distract from? And interesting enough, there was, I mean, from the get-go, there was one interesting guy in the British government, um, Dominic um, Cummings. And Dominic Cummings was a brilliant campaigner who prevented the UK joining the euro a couple of years earlier. And he was then ousted because he didn't get along at all with the friends of his wife. I mean they were actually friends of his wife working in the administration, which which is weird yeah. enough. And which Thomas means was she
0: was put there to do exactly what she did and to bring in those people who, by someone else. I mean that's obvious to me. I mean maybe not to people in the situation, but because we've seen that replicated around the world. I mean you know, who so
1: who knows? Who knows? But yeah. but I mean that was abundantly clear. And I mean even mm-hmm. that guy Dominic Cummings he he was a brilliant campaign mastermind. In my opinion, he wasn't a true, I would say, libertarian or right libertarian or, or true conservative either, because he had also very much a take of I'm gonna get the best data talent and have a data-driven government. But he's fundamentally very much believed in big government. So it's not mm-hmm. like we went from a guy with rock solid conservative mm-hmm. credential to you know someone um, who's like the entire opposite but a lot of things wouldn't have happened under him and and that probably brings us to this really interesting chaos we saw happening so obviously we had the so I, I a good friend of ours and um I'll, I won't mention him but his initials are CD and and uh, said an interesting thing um in his podcast a couple mm-hmm. of days ago and he said look, the conservatives mistook having received an assignment with having received a mandate. And they and he essentially said, look, the difference is an assignment is a particular task to deliver that you get daddy for, not mm-hmm. mommy, daddy. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the conservatives acted a bit like mommy. Mm-hmm. And obviously then they had this weird... Um, so that once they kicked out Boris Johnson, um, they essentially... Um, had this uh, leadership contest, and they didn't think it necessary to hold new elections, which, you know, probably for American ears is kind of weird. You've got a head of state that might govern with more than two years without being ever legitimized by a popular vote. But they they thought we had a mandate and big inner party leadership debate, and it gets, it, it starts interesting. So, w-
0: why was the uh, uh- African lady, uh, I don't know how to correctly say it, she's not African-American, African-British woman who was very conservative. Why did she yeah. not make it into the final
1: numbers? Yeah, well, that, that is very interesting. So you're talking uh. about Kemi Badenoch. Uh-huh. Actually, dear viewers, Badenoch is actually uh. Scottish. So her husband ah. is Scottish. And uh, she's absolutely brilliant. She would have been my personal favor. Um, but it, it started out and essentially... The more so one, the one guy who epitomized the conservative, the based mm-hmm. uh, wing of the Conservative Party was a guy called Steve Baker, former RAF technician, mm-hmm. and he kind of didn't want to. Apparently internally, he said, "Ah, oh, it's just another white man," and so mm-hmm. in a way, he bought into that. And then that vote went to two women: one woman called Sweller, Braverman, and um, and kemi Badenoch, and. Um, mm-hmm. And so that kind of split the vote from the get-go. And then we had another uh, other candidates which are quite interesting. There was Penelope Mordant, who, Penny Mordant, interesting enough, our prime minister, and he was a funny guy, always came to call her either Penny Dormant um, or uh, part-time Penny. So she stepped into the race, but she also had said very woke things, but was suddenly also on the base camp, as was Liz Truss, mm-hmm. um, who also, first wasn't really for Brexit, was well, was against Brexit. Then she was for it. Then she was for Theresa May <laughs> and her deal. Then she was for Boris Johnson and his deal. So the professional weather vane. Yeah. And um, I mean, you you are sort of insinuating that um, that, that there are forces. Like there's the seen versus the unseen. And then Mm -hmm. this interesting, and I'm going to come to Rishi Sunak, our current Mm -hmm. prime minister, Mm -hmm. in in a couple of minutes. But it's really interesting. So let's first look at Liz Truss. How did she ever Mm -hmm. become prime minister and fail so spectacularly? Mm -hmm. Well, so she, as I said, was a professional weatherwain. Actually, in university, at the end of her Oxford studies, she was the Oxford liberal Democrat, um, Mm -hmm. young liberal Democrat leader. And then a year later, changed to being a conservative. You know, you know, you, you go from leading that <laughs> to stepping down, becoming conservative. And um, then worked as a um, some sort of researcher for a member of parliament. Uh, it later turned, uh, and then later, was parachuted into a district. That happens quite often with the Conservative Party, maybe in the Yes as well, where mm-hmm. you get parachuted into a district that you've got no affiliation with, typically yeah. rural district, solidly conservative, you've never left there, you don't know anything about the people, you don't speak like them, you get put there because they vote for you. Turns out that a couple of people did some digging on her because they didn't like having a, uh, a like helicopter person dropped on, on top of them. Mm. And they found out, well, turns out that parliamentarian that she worked for as a researcher, she had an affair with him, and which led to mm. his divorce. And the divorce papers were so, somehow available in public. And people were like, well, is that what we want to stand for as conservatives? And somehow at that time, David Cameron, also conservative prime minister, really held his hand over her, really protected her. And then we see, to see her rise from like various obscure ministerial positions. To them, the, uh, the, we we'll go back to the conservative um, leadership contest, we see it wiggle down further and further. At the end of the Conservative Leadership Contest, so I think last person to be wiggled out was not even Kemi Badenough, but Suella Braverman, who's sort mm-hmm. of based. Um, and now we, we have two candidates, both of, um, WF Young Leaders, interesting mm-hmm. enough. So we have to choose between one WF Young Leader and the other WF Young Leader. Mm-hmm. And folks took a look at them and said, well, you know, here we've got a flip-flopper. But here we've got a person who is one of the richest people in the United Kingdom through so his family married into the fortunes of the Infosys owners. Um, Murti, I think that family yeah. is called. And by, that, by um, association, um, Infosys, also the Chinese state holds quite a stake in that. And then like, then people took a look at his family. Oh, so they're kind of professional expats. First part of the Indian British diaspora that went to East Africa. Moved Mm -hmm. from India to Africa and then from there to the United Kingdom. At the same time, his wife, even whilst he was, he held, I mean, he held various ministerial positions amongst others, um, um, the head of the exchequer. So the Mm -hmm. uh, minister of finance. And even whilst that was the case, his wife wasn't even officially registered in the United Kingdom of living there. She actually officially resided in the United States. He has a green card in the States and that saved her probably 20 million pounds in taxes. So people rightfully said, how invested in this country are you? Actually, With all these caveats and with all these suitcases parked everywhere. And then the questionable thing of Chinese influence. So again, the parliamentarians that up to that point had presented those two candidates to the party base wanted him. But it turned out the party based asking the questions that I'm asking right now said, No, we'd rather go with her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <clears throat> yeah, and then essentially we, we, got, we got her, and she did a surprising thing to me. Her and Kwasi Quartang, who, who was her um, Chancellor of the Exchequer then, was mm-hmm. she, actually written very good books uh, books on gold standard and books on international finance, a very capable guy. And they went full-on, well, full-on, in inverted commas, Um, low-tax, let's do the Reagan thing, let's do the Thatcher thing. And the thing about Liz Truss, Liz Truss, it was always kind of droll. She dressed like Thatcher, and she kind of behaved a bit like Thatcher and said how much she admired her, and thought that was a very Thatcher-right thing to mm-hmm. do. But then, obviously, they pitched the, all these tax cuts and, you know, kind of stabilizing the energy prices and with subsidies. and. Um, and then obviously the markets went berserk I mean every because newspaper... they
0: didn't cut the spending yes
1: yes so the markets went back they probably raised it yeah yeah and I mean what the newspapers always omitted to say that the newspapers always presented that the markets went berserk because those were unfunded um that because they, they they dropped the taxes so much. And um, mm-hmm. nobody really mentioned that there wasn't any um, spending against it. But so, so yeah, that was the problem. They tried to do the Thatcher thing and the Reagan thing without cutting the taxes. And they tried to borrow their way out of it, which, which again, I've got some sympathy for them. They would have gotten away with it a couple of years ago prior to COVID, where, again, politicians, certainly their generation, certainly their um uh, sort of uh, socioeconomic bracket would have gotten away with, with, with that thinking, oh, there's always going to be more money, but right. they didn't. And they, so they, they went at it in a half arsed way, apologized, flip flopped, said, okay, it's all fine. But obviously the damage was done. And I'm still. Because interest rates
0: that. spiked, and the West has been living from Europe to the US in a false reality for some time. Oh, yeah so it was only a matter of time when that it's just interesting it happened now but uh, and didn't happen you know under Obama or under Merkel where you basically had zero manipulated uh, monetary policy to keep interest rates at zero which yeah, I mean, you know is not real so the bond vigilantes eventually came back they're coming back here too um, anyway go ahead
1: yeah, I mean, so that that really was the interesting thing, and I think your mm-hmm. background is in the bond market, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really interesting. I mean, at the same time, um, it's not like we had a Paul Volcker moment either. I think mm-hmm. um, he ramped up. jog my memory. It was like a double digit kind of. Um,
0: well, yeah, he spiked interest rates 400 basis points overnight, and then it went up to 20% for a mortgage. But we weren't bankrupt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a big <laughs> difference, you know. <laughs> Uh, we could difference. borrow, you know, a few trillion and be fine,
1: but we can't do that anymore. So, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, to me, and I'm going to say something even more provocative. On the mm. one hand, I would say prima facie on its face, the markets were right to say, look, mm. you can't do what we've been doing all along. We actually mm. have now officially run out of money. Mm-hmm. Even you haven't quite realized that. So if you're going to do tax savings, which is always a good idea, in my opinion, it gets money out of the incapable hands of the state into the more capable hands of the market. Mm-hmm. But you need to actually have budget cuts mm-hmm. um, to do that. I agree. Or, or sell some assets like, you know, privatize the BBC, sell it for scraps, get some money mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. Don't cut your eight billion pound in uh, development aid budget. So on that sense, I think the markets would have been perfectly right. I personally do think something different. i uh, so so I, I do think that was part of the story. I think the other part of the story is probably a bit more grim. Like Covid accelerated the tendency that larger and larger segments of of even of the free economy had become dependent on the government. Sure. Yeah. so suddenly being faced with actual cuts which would have needed to follow one way or the other. I mean that was another thing why the outcry I've never seen anything quite like it and then so dear listeners and viewers i mean i wish i had the 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 image pulled up somewhere um then obviously her chancellor was uh, forced to step t- step down her chancellor of the exchequer and a new guy um jeremy hunt was gifted to her as the chance of the exchequer. But I mean, sometimes body language just says it all. I mean, we are still primates at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. make no mistakes what people say and see what see what you uh, see. He, and he's a tall man. She's probably an average sized woman. He sat at the table, he was in charge. Make no mistake. Yeah, and essentially yeah. in a television, he ripped up the budget. I mean, went through and through and sort of, we had a good talk about it. This can't happen and the energy price stabilization can't happen indefinitely. And I mean that was and then obviously I saw saw like a defeated woman in parliament. I mean, yeah. where even the opposition was joking the the prime minister is hiding under the desk. And, and and obviously there were there are some funny memes that come out of it. I mean, obviously once it was out that blood was in the water, the British um um tabloid press had this funny thing where they had a lettuce with the um, um, with a wig that yeah, like the Liz lettuce yeah. Is here, and they were like, Is the lettuce gonna last longer than this trust in terms of the cell by then? Turns yeah. out that lettuce list won. And, um, I mean, again, we're gonna go to, to Rishi Sunak in a second, but the um, what made Jeremy Hunt also interesting, um, he um, had also significant business ties with China, so his wife um, has a show on Sky called the China Hour, and that is that show. Even though it belongs to Sky, is part owned by the Chinese state or a company owned by a China by the Chinese state. So we had a guy coming back, totally being in charge uh, until the new prime minister got um, elected, being you know somewhat. I wouldn't say beholden to Chinese interests, that's speculation, but at least susceptible <laughs> to a degree. And, um, and then his wife is actually Chinese as well. Not that that per se would speak for it, but yes. Yeah, so that's the situation. Yeah, it does. It does speak yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so on to Rishi Sunak, as I said, so um, suddenly we had the situation where previously the party based, we're not even talking about the populace, we're presented with two WF candidates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, uh, oh yeah, Boris Johnson, who you know, ever the showman parted the parliament, by saying hasta la vista, <laughs> didn't leave as, as a defeated man, at least body language uh, in the body language, and then flew back from his um, holiday in the Caribbean. And, um, said oh, I've already got 100 um, votes, we, we needed to clear 100 votes by fellow parliamentarians in order to be actually eligible to be voted mm-hmm. for by the party base. And then suddenly he said, you know, now it's not the right time, <laughs> and he didn't get those votes. And then suddenly um, Pe- Penelope, um, Penny Mordent, Um mm-hmm was uh, the only one running that 24 votes well short boom rishi soon like made it so now it was like we voted for the wrong wf person here yeah. <laughs> so know it,
0: it, it's obvious to me that britain is infiltrated by chinese enablers so what let's say there is, would be some kind of groundswell of opposition to that what would that how would that logistically play out if somebody wanted to to oppose what's happening in the UK because essentially Britain is being slowly destroyed in my opinion. So because you didn't deal with the fiscal problems. I mean, they're still there and you're, you're going, this leader is going to continue. I mean, I think he said something recently that, uh, Oh, it was the energy policy. He stopped the opening of the fracking. Correct.
1: Correct. So, I mean, so, that's what mistrust yeah. wanted too, to, to her eternal yeah. credit. So as I said, I will always defend that woman to the degree that she tried to dare something, she just didn't go far enough. So but the, yes.
0: The whole energy thing in the US and everywhere is to destroy our energy, our energy, Western energy, in favor of Chinese power. So this is my opinion. So he's going to enact that agenda. So if somebody wanted to challenge that, how what would that look like? They'd have to build a new party.
1: Uh, the short answer is yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, see, and the only person I mean, that could I mean, do that
0: is Nigel Farage, right? He,
1: he is at this he point. Is. So that's the only person with mm-hmm. with the charisma, with the quasi-independent financial wealth. I mean, he's always mm-hmm. his family has always been in the financial markets, which is another good thing he understands how mm-hmm. that works, he had no illusion what was gonna happen to mm-hmm. um, to less trust when it happened. He said, wow, I mean, the um, yeah. the bond markets are gonna tear her to shreds. And and, mm-hmm. he, and he said, look, it's not not the taxes, the taxes are pretty, principally a good thing. So yeah, he would yeah. be the only one. The, I'm not gonna say the, what I said before, the Tories or the Conservatives mistook having received a mandate um, with having actually received an assignment, it was sort out immigration, sort mm. out the whole European thing, and probably stop the deindustrialization. And that foreigners are starting to control everything in the United mm. Kingdom. I mean, it it goes even back to David Cameron, that um, I would say, cynophile mm-hmm. part of the um, Conservative Party. David Cameron even wanted to involve the Chinese in building nuclear power plants for the United Kingdom and they mm-hmm. were providing all the finance for it. So, I mean, that was that part of, I've, yeah, I call it conservatism that was all like, yeah, it's free market and it's all good. And don't worry, it's all going to work out for our best. But I'm like, well, even if I were a free trade absolutist, and I'm very pro free mm-hmm. trade, but I'm like, it mm-hmm. needs there needs to be an element of reciprocity. It has to and be has free in to- fair trade. Yes. And it it has never been. There's never been an element of reciprocity with China. I mean, so for instance, Mm -hmm. any Chinese investor these days can in Germany and they have and the United Kingdom buy whatever company they want at whatever conditions they negotiate. Whereas the other way around, it doesn't work that way. They tell you exactly how much of a Chinese company you can control. You need to open up your intellectual property and it's Mm -hmm. subject to so many owners rules that that it's mm-hmm. it, it's 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 bizarre so 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 that part dates uh, much further back and that that entire party i mean I'm, I'm explaining why it only can be a third party so essentially they entered in 2000 and was it 2005 2007 and mm-hmm. um, under the mandate of look we're going to get spending under control we're going to get migration mm-hmm. under control which Migration was deliberately ramped up. I mean, of even course, labor politicians,
0: you see it all over the West. Yeah,
1: they, they, admitted, they admitted deliberately like, oh, there was no like, oh, we have a shortage of skilled workers. It was like, no, let's ramp it up. We want to make Britain uh, more diverse. We want to rub their noses in a bit of diversity. And one of the um, articles that I've written um, for CD media i have linked to that um, quote by that labor politician. So they started on that platform and guess what um, they didn't do, migration went up under the conservatives and it went even further up under Boris Johnson and then under mm. Boris Johnson, the conservatives were even debating, making it even easier. They lowered, they, they they are actually at the moment debating lowering the language requirement, lowering what you need to earn. So I think before you needed to... So look, from- I mean,
0: these, these people are, I mean, I'm hearing you talk and this is an agenda that's being enacted silently. It's the same in the US. I mean, the, McConnell and... Pence and all these guys are not conservatives; they're operatives yeah. for their controlled opposition and helping to enact an agenda which is anti-Western and anti-sovereignty, in my opinion.
1: I mean, whether so, yeah, whether by their own knowledge or whether just being useful idiots. I mean, right, I, true. I always, as I said, I'm, I'm always the kind of type never. Uh, some are getting paid.
0: To, some are just thinking in yeah. virtue signaling as payment. Yeah, they're, they're no, good I mean, people. I, yeah, I'm
1: a kind of person. I, I always think never attribute to. Malice or a plan, what can be perfectly explained by sure by, by being um being incompetent or yeah, by just being a non player character, kind of like yeah, the distrust exactly. of this world to just move along with the fashion. I mean, as this mm-hmm. did Boris Johnson when he, I mean, he enacted so much big spending, and I mean, essentially, the debate between him and the hard left, and Jeremy Corbyn was hard left, mm-hmm. I mean, as close mm-hmm. to communism as he can get, and um. And the debate was like, no, I give you more free stuff. No, I give you more free stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and um, now we, we have a situation where we've got a conservative party who's shown they are not capable or not willing to. to so anyway. in the US,
0: the, the, the stealing of the election in 2020 was almost providential because we were on the path of what the UK is experiencing now. And of course, we're completely controlled now by this Biden regime who's beholden to China, but everybody sees it. So we had enough muscle left to hopefully in 10 days retake the country in a major way. Is there any kind of awakening like that in the UK?
1: Not, not at a mainstream level in terms of awakening. I mean, Mm -hmm. see, so the interesting thing is even the right wing newspapers, and I would still actually say the Daily Mail has pretty good right wing Mm -hmm. credentials. No, They they do a lot of, And uh, to me, the most gifted person, gifted and most honest person in journalism is Peter Hitchens. Um, I mean, a very brave man, warned us against all the past disasters, warned us against ramping tensions up with Russia, warned us against the Syrian adventures. I think he Mm -hmm. was even skeptical of the first Gulf War, the 1991. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, very, very intelligent man. So, yes, but even the Daily Mail and the telegraph for instance now focus on the illegal migration and the illegal mm-hmm. migration is sort of very visible they come across the channel in small rubber boats actually apparently 40% of them are albanians <laughs> not mm-hmm. even like far away like you know you could to, to me i don't use the term refugee because you've crossed at least half a dozen safe countries and right to get of to course economic States. migrants yeah. yeah so so you're not um, but yeah, so they focus on the 38,000 or so that have arrived with rubber boats into the United mm-hmm. Kingdom. Bad enough, some arrive at the beaches, then apparently threaten local people to give them money so they can take a ride to the big cities in Birmingham and Manchester. Um, but I mean, what they totally, um, what, what remains in, in, entirely out of their view is the legal migration. And I mean, right now we have a situation where I think as is already Tens of thousands of migrants are in hotels. I mean, it's the same all over Europe. In the Netherlands, Mm -hmm. even the Netherlands even has a cruise ship where some migrants are, like, Mm -hmm. tweeting pictures of like really cool food they're getting. But but anyway, so so that is happening, Um, and all over the government starting to offer people like private uh, people um, housing migrants as they're called in the legal immigration is by far the bigger problem. Certainly if you've got an island as densely populated as the United Kingdom. And I mean Mm -hmm. for, and again, I mean, the left will keep losing elections if they don't understand it's the one-two punch against the working classes. First, you um, lower their wages by importing, certainly in the lower skilled segment, um, you're importing millions of people. Um, who compete with them. And then, obviously, um, competition for uh, housing goes up. And then we've got the coast... coast So is there...
0: I mean, obviously, there in my... Again, this is my view of the world. (laughs) Obviously, there is an attack on the British people. So... And especially the lower classes. Is there any kind of boiling point or breaking point? Or are they just too small in power now? And they just will go away quietly into the night? Or (laughs) will they...
1: (laughs) Yeah, Todd, I mean, that that is the interesting thing I've been wondering for a long time. I'm like, when's the bowling point or is there such a thing? And in the United Kingdom, so for instance, the police thought that there was a bowling point. So for instance, for years and for American viewers and listeners, you will have heard of the horrible industrial scale sexual grooming scandals Mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom in the northern cities, such as Rotherham. Mm -hmm. And... um, were essentially, I think, um, over the last 20 years or so, about 10,000 British young women have been sex trafficked in their Mm -hmm. own country by mostly men of Pakistani Mm -hmm. origin. And the police stood idle by in many of these cities, and it's happened again in other places nearby here, Telford, you name it, Mm -hmm. even Oxford, and uh, being afraid of being called racists. Um, essentially you had like like harrowing scenes where like fathers were like, I know my daughter is in that house, I want to free yeah. her. And then they 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 sent him away. Mm-hmm. And so when and, and also the police told local people when they raised that that this was going on in social workers. Um they told them if that comes out, Rotherham will be burning. And it did ca- it did come out and it Rotherham wasn't burning, and the same in, in, in Germany when the first horrible mm-hmm. Mass sexual attack happens under the um, you know dome of Cologne. You know Mm -hmm. Um, you couldn't have it more blatant. And then a couple of gang rapes. I mean that was a was a crime that that we just didn't know prior to this. And I always thought that was the boiling point. So I'm I'm almost um, Hmm. very pessimistic that there will be a boiling point. I think maybe the only boiling point I can see is once people really run out of money. And once the government runs out of money, and Mm -hmm. yet they see they're competing for what little resources they are. And interesting enough, and you and I will have an episode in the future on the Netherlands, which I'm researching Mm -hmm. right now. Interesting enough, I see in the Netherlands reaching boiling point where they they found in the Netherlands, it's an interesting system. So the Netherlands on the one hand, is a very um, successful free market country. On the other hand, it is very socialist in some of its policies so for instance mm-hmm. a highly d- densely populated country and to get desirable living space you um, either join a list of a housing association or public housing and after 15 years you're allocated some of the better mm-hmm. more desirable housing either by, the com- yeah, either by the council or by a housing association where you pay in monthly. and mm-hmm. And so some people wait for 15 years turns out now they found out in most cities Certain migrant groups with kids and everything keep jumping the queue, and some of them. Funny start, how that happens. Yeah, yeah, and well, I mean, it's, it's the same um, all over here, and even in Germany, where we have these housing associations as well, where we're essentially associations where you pay in for a number of years, and then they kind of communally purchase a house, and you get to live in it. But yeah, certain people keep jumping the queue, and in this particular Dutch city, name escapes me now. I think it was Utrecht, actually. Um, it, it turned out that many of those who were allocated the housing, and again jumping the queue ahead of people who waited for that housing for fifteen years, and mm-hmm. um, stopped working the moment they moved into the house because then they would have needed to contribute to the same fund. Of course, <laughs> and and I mean the Netherlands is an interesting thing, Todd. I've had a couple of um, discussions, but I'm but I'm digressing. In the United Kingdom, I don't see the boiling point yet mm. in the same way I'm seeing in the Netherlands, and. I mean, well I
0: tell you the u.s is about to explode in not revenge but in uh, righteous anger here in about 10 days so uh, you know we I guess we still have the freedom antibodies in the in, but I guess maybe in Europe and other places uh, that that they don't exist to an extent enough to fight the invaders you know essentially
1: yeah but- I mean, it, it's probably well. In all, in all fairness, I mean, we we could mm. even speculate uh, in terms of is there even a a um, perfectly almost a genetic uh, explanation for that? Probably mm. the least docile Britons moved over to the United Kingdom, and our roughest, well, yeah. and toughest Scottish Irish yeah. <laughs> we couldn't control in the border areas sent over to Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. and, and then obviously they went to the Appalachians. Mm-hmm. Um that th- this is just kind of some sort of stock, whether it's genetic mm. or cultural, that that is Maybe. harder to control, whereas here we tend to be more docile. And where we take it for granted that that sort of um, the upper classes run things? I think it only works to a point where they're competent. I mean, um, even mm-hmm. like most of the labor people in the past were very. Uh, posh folk, but you know they, they. Nonetheless, they were competent upper class um, mm-hmm. people. So You're right; so it's
0: the aristocracy. I didn't think of that. It has a history of
1: yeah, of so that but, in in Europe. But, but yeah. and, and also, like you know, then I mean, there's an interesting social commentator who goes by the um, nom de plume Theodore Dalrymple, who used to work in a prison as a psychiatrist in Birmingham, and um, I mean, he always writes about the. Uh, I mean, so in the United States, obviously, you had you've seen some of the desolation inflicted on formerly industrial working class oh, yeah. um, neighborhoods, and here as well. So you've got a demoralized populace, where now, obviously, not only um, their livelihood was taken away, then their the, um, obviously their pride mm-hmm. was was taken taken away then obviously their masculinity, toxic masculinity, and they always they always are the the baddies. And in the news when you want mm-hmm. to portray a very um ignorant person, you will always choose sort of a white guy from a low of course. income yeah. in, income neighborhood in the north of Britain. Whereas I'm I'm saying there are some places in the north of Britain about this before which still you would find the most patriotic Britons. And I'm mm-hmm. saying that with the Union Jack outside, not just the St. George's flag. Mm. Um, So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen somewhere in these patriotic community up north mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and the countryside. I mean, there was one small town, name escapes me now, idyllic place where that I think 300 towns people were faced with 1,000 migrants being mm-hmm. dropped. Their doorstep, and there there was quite a bit of protest, and the government mm-hmm. backed off. So those are the rare victories. But mm. if the boiling point's gonna happen, it's not gonna happen by my immigration alone, but by suddenly the government running out of money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, that's that's how I kind of see it. And obviously, Nigel Farage has announced he will um what has and- he
0: done? What has he said specifically?
1: He said specifically we need to find Something after the Tories. He was kind of deliberately vague. He didn't yeah. say he's gonna found a new party Which is probably also a good strategy never let your enemy know too much what we're, what you're sure. doing But I mean this is it's been he's been as specific. I mean, he You know, he founded UKIP after the UKIP delivered Brexit stepped away from it came back with Brexit UK After they delivered and they mm-hmm. essentially concluded that armistice with the conservative he said look we're facing bigger picture thinking. We're facing you guys against the communists. We're going to stand down. You guys do what you do, deliver Brexit. But now they haven't. And so I do see him coming back. And um, I mean, he's in the meantime, and that's probably credit to the uh, media alternative. I mean, for instance, GB News has done mm-hmm. Yeoman's work. Yeah, um, sure. Talk radio to it.
0: Well, we may have lost Christian. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a great discussion. It looks like we've lost Christian. Uh, We will have another episode of Eurobytes as soon as possible, because as you can tell, there is a lot to talk about and a lot of areas to cover. And we didn't quite get to the Nord Stream pipeline issue yet, so we will do that.
1: Good. Now we're back. (laughs) Ah. We got you back. Yeah. So quick, let probably like, uh, again, uh, up to you. I mean, one thing that I hope, um, Fabian to join us with, but maybe. Mikey for us to debate. Um, what do you like to talk about the pipeline, um, speculation? Well, I don't, conference? I don't know much about okay. it.
0: Maybe we, maybe we save that for when Fabian can come back. What do you think? Yeah. yeah I, think, I think, I don't know. I don't have nice. much to add from my end. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that there's there's some interesting things to be added, and some interesting alternative media folk, a former military um, explosive guy, actually looked in terms of how the pipeline was damaged, and mm-hmm. sort of kind of then ruling out certain mm. means of destruction. So, for instance, he ruled out self-destruction, uh, for mm. instance, and mm. and and accident um, mm. as a matter of fact. So, but probably uh, that's something. Then, then yeah, for for. Uh, specific episode because i think that's that's where sort of some fissures across the atlantic may open up that rightfully or wrongfully that we might may um debate that so so yeah sure any any um um, thing else that uh, no that
0: was a very good discussion i think very timely and very um you know we're i'm very concerned about the uk obviously um so i'd like to stay on top of it from our from this side of the pond but uh and let's just schedule another show, Christian.
1: Yeah. I mean, probably for the viewers in terms of like, you know, asking, look, what's going to happen if, for instance, uh, labor comes in for how much worse, how much more socialist can it get in terms of big spending, mm-hmm. high immigration? And obviously what I'm hearing from their side, they still refer to as spending um, less or spending the same that you take in as austerity. So they still haven't understood the situation they're in. And um, obviously, in terms of free speech and Mm -hmm. uh, which, by the way, Boris Johnson wasn't great on either. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, I should mention one last bit before I hang Mm -hmm. off. There is, in terms of free speech, there is pushback. And I'm a member of the Free Speech Union. Mm -hmm. leader of the Free Speech Union is Toby Young, editor-in-chief of The Spectator. And he does fantastic work also by defending a lot of lefties who would have never, ever thought they would find themselves in the situation, to give you... Mm -hmm. An example: Some people who heckled the funeral procession of the queen mm-hmm. now face legal problems. And he says, "Look, mm-hmm. distasteful as it may be, you shouldn't be punished for <laughs> for, yeah, <laughs> sure. for being for being stupid." And um, or a woman who led a dance company, actually a first or second wave feminist, who um, kind of maintained, who is like a transgender exclusive feminist, and who was, I mean, that would be an episode in of itself. How she was deplatformed and hounded as a feminist and as a lefty, I mean, you know, guardian you and everything. So, so we defend, um, mm. all of those folks. And that is one of the small glimpses of light that I think part of the right or the non-left starts becoming far more organized than we mm. were only two three years ago. So, so maybe there's a glimpse of hope. Yeah. I think that's a good note to, to end on
0: great Christian. Thank you for your time.
1: Well, thank you, and uh,
0: we'll wait for the next episode.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) (laughs) with the big kaboom (laughs) effects.
0: Take care. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye.